0: Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 190 something. I can't be 100% sure anymore. I know it's been a while since the show has been around, but we are back and we are hopefully better than ever. As always, I am your host, James Shotwell, and it is great to speak with you again. As you can tell by looking out your window or watching the news or getting I'm basically going anywhere right now, we are living in strange times. And I hope to bring you a little bit of solace by resuming the show and giving you some great conversations with the musicians who, unfortunately, you cannot currently see live because literally no one is on the road. Today's conversation is a special one. I recorded it in person with Mike D'Antonio of Killswitch Engage basically a week ago on March 11th, I believe it was, at 20 Monroe Live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, this was the second date of Killswitch Engage' spring headlining tour, and it also happened to be the last date because the very next day, all the news about the coronavirus really started to peak and things got canceled. Shows got shelved, shows got postponed, and Killswitch Engage found themselves no longer on the road. But when Mike and I had this conversation, neither of us knew that that was happening. You will hear us discuss it a little bit. It's kind of the elephant in the room when we start the conversation. But he was hopeful at the time that there would be some kind of resolution or that they would still be able to keep touring. And that has obviously not been the case. But don't worry, there's still a lot of other things that we talk about in this episode as well. We discuss, you know, the band's legacy in music. Killswitch has been around for 21 years in 2020. We also talk about Mike's bass tones on the new album and, you know, how things change as you grow older in music. And also a little bit of looking back on the early days of the group. Now, before we get there, I do need to tell you a couple of quick things. First and foremost, this episode of Inside Music, like all episodes of the show, is brought to you by Holix, the industry's leading digital promotional distribution company. And if you go to holix.com today and click the sign up button in the upper right hand corner, you'll have access to one free month of service that's access to all the same promotional tools used by bands like Slipknot, Killswitch Engage, Tool, Blink-182, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Weezer, and thousands of additional artists. So one more time, head over to holix.com today and sign up. I also want to ask that you head over to YouTube and check out Music Biz. That's the official channel of Holix, where you can find guides on surviving the industry, navigating the industry, and understanding what's going on right now during the coronavirus outbreak. So go to YouTube and search Music Biz. That's Music B-I-Z. And finally, you know, I usually plug the band here. Obviously, you should be listening to Killswitch Engage. It's hard to believe that if you've made it this far in the show, you aren't already doing so. But definitely check out their most recent album. But more importantly, take care of yourself. It's a crazy time out there. And the best thing you can do right now is to take care of yourself and your loved ones. You know, stay home, listen to podcasts, watch movies, binge TV shows, do whatever you have to do to stay sane, but just take care of one another because that's the only way we're going to get through this And that's the fastest path to getting things back to normal, back to going to shows, back to enjoying the things that we enjoy doing. So just take care of yourself. And a good way to do that is to sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mike D'Antonio of Killswitch Engage.
1: Yeah, no, it feels like it's peaking today, like <laughs> this minute. This minute, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to a bunch of stuff on uh, Sirius right now about it, and it's definitely in the back of our minds. A lot of the places we're going are now not allowing gatherings of over 250 people, so it's going to be something we'll have to address uh, sooner than later. Uh, but right now, we're just going to go until the wheels fall off, till they tell us to stop. And, uh, you know, we don't want to be a part of spreading something, uh, but we do want to be a part of maybe the healing of people getting out and doing things again.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's how I, I feel like I mean, music is always going to be resilient. Um, people get nervous rightfully so, but I do feel like whenever we have a, a big moment where people get scared to be outdoors, like music is the first thing they return to when they start getting back out there, you know, it's like that communal thing that we've always done as people is like gathered around the fire and listen to music and that turns into concerts and so on and so forth so i feel like when this passes anyone that's not comfortable now will we'll get back out there it's not like you're losing people forever if someone chooses not to come to a show
1: right yeah no i mean everything's selling way better than i thought it would but maybe that's because they bought them before this whole thing fell, came together but uh you know if if for some chance things don't work out um we're definitely gonna We'll figure it out for the fan. We're not going to leave them high and dry for sure. It's just really hard to say what's going to happen right. today. Yeah. Right right I this know. very second.
0: Uh, I'm in a, an industry chat with a bunch of uh, our clients at Holix and stuff, and, and everyone's just like sending updates like this festival got canceled, or there this. I heard that they're postponing this thing, and it's just like, all right, let's need to breathe like let me get back home i've only been out of the house for like 30 minutes and i'm like okay well, let's let's slow down on these announcements a little bit i feel like it's it just causes more chaos in some ways for it's people. dominoes yeah. the domino
1: effect and that's the scariest part of the whole thing
0: south by into coachella and now it's like all these smaller festivals i heard about one or two today where i was like i didn't even know that was of an event and now we're
1: yeah <laughs> it's sad about south by southwest because that is a big deal to the, yeah. all the people who work in that area um Our uh, monitor slash uh, stage left tech is a guy who works that usually if he's home. Mm -hmm. And he said he could make like seven grand in that week. And that's just a a big chunk of change for like not a big amount of time. So I just feel bad for those guys. Hopefully everything will just get rescheduled and we'll just leave all this crap behind.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that I keep coming back to is anyone, especially tour crew or merchandisers, anyone that's like, Little not on stage is the people that I worry about the most at this time when I see all the cancellations and stuff. It's like those right. are the people that depend on like daily gigs or weekly gigs mm, or whatever happens Even the to
1: clubs, be. yeah.
0: Um, well, let's, let's get out of that sadness for a second. Let's just keep moving along. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this week, or I guess last, uh, this week, I guess, is kind of seven solid months of atonement being in the world. Yeah, pretty much. It's seven months since our August. So we're at seven months now. Yeah. How are you, how do you feel about it? I want to talk to you a little bit about how things change over time. Speaking specifically to this album and how it's been received, and people engaging with it or not, how do you how do you feel it's been in terms of like what you expected maybe going into the album release?
1: Never really expect anything going into any albums, and this is one that we recorded a lot of different songs for. Uh, we, I think we recorded seventeen, and then narrowed it down to eleven. So. As we're recording it, it's just like uh, it was just hard to tell which songs were going to be on the record and which weren't until the vocals were on there. So once it all came together, we're really excited about it, and and like every record, just really happy to to give it to the world and see what everyone thinks. Um, We always like what we're putting out, but you never know what people are going to say, but the reaction's been really really positive um the europe leg of this tour which is the first leg mm-hmm. went extremely well better than many many years of touring over there <laughs> and uh we're just we were hoping for the same in the states and it seems like it was poised to do that exact same thing um you know without this weird scare going on but that's that's all positive news is great people want to check it out and um you know signal fire went over pretty well people are, are digging the howard jesse um trade-off vocals on that and we're doing a little bit of that on this tour and just showing fans that you know no hard feelings things happen for a reason and uh it's cool that we i don't know we we just um There's a lot of love here. A lot of love.
0: I I knew, I I felt like this album was going to be special. I, I was in LA just before the album came out, and I got to go to Metal Blade and hang out with Vince and all of those kids. Uh, I say that I think Vince is older than me, but I'm still gonna call him a kid. Sure. <laughs> but they showed me they had just gotten in the the rough edit for the I Am Broken Two video, and they were just like, "You've got to see this video. You've got to hear this record." Like we were talking, I was there just talking about everything they were doing, but like they could not stop talking about the Killswitch album. They're like, "You just you you got to be ready for it because it's gonna be a thing." And I was like, all right, man. And then the team working your PR at the time, Amy and the Adam Slitter crew, same thing. They were just like, I know that we do a bunch of, I always, as a publicist, their job is to be like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. But they were like, but I, I mean it. In this, You know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah, like, yeah. I actually will buy this album kind of thing. And it, it's exciting to see, I always feel like I know an album's gonna be something special when I hear people in the industry getting excited about it because you know there's just it's what everyone does all day long. It's the same thing with like tours and I talk to people that work in the touring industry and going into this album I feel like there was kind of a special energy and I don't I don't know if you can really pinpoint what that is about it, but when I when I heard it I got it's one of those things where it just makes sense. I guess it's kinda like how you can't really say what you love about music sometimes. It's just like it hits that thing, you know what I mean? The, That's cool. the intangible element.
1: That's awesome. Um, we really wanted to prove something to Metal Blade this time around. Uh, you know, brand new label. Um, just really excited to give them something that they could sink their teeth into as well. And I feel like, judging by what you <laughs> said, that they really uh, thought thought that exact same thing. So. I mean, that's really what you need. You need a a record label partnership, not someone telling you what to do. And I, I feel like that's what we have with Metal Blade. We're really excited where we're at.
0: Our our chat literally grinded to a halt. and He was like, "Let me show you this video edit I got in today." And we watched like the very the long form early cut of the I Am Broken Two video. I was like, hmm. "This is amazing."
1: Sad, sad. I can't watch that.
0: Video. It is. It is sad. <laughs> that was the thing. Is it was like such a positive like conversation. He's like, "Watch this right now." I got to the end, and you have to be like, "I mean, that was good, but like, I mean, come on, man. It's like two in the afternoon. <laughs> we, got, we got we still have things to talk about." You know? And he's like, "I know, but just like that's what makes it so good." And I was like, "Yeah, but that's like a large Von Trier movie in the middle of the day. Like, I just don't." Woof. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It,
1: they did a really good job on that one. Yeah, we were I mean, both excited and and saddened by the thing, but um, <laughs> but it, it came out really good, and people seem to like it.
0: Do you feel like it's that song in particular? Do you feel like, I guess, the message and what you're going for resonated with people I, in part because of the video, probably. But like, have you found a, a special response to that song? Because it does feel different than a lot of the other Killswitch songs, especially in how it's presented to people.
1: Hmm. Um, I haven't noticed anything specifically being miraculously different. Um,
0: (laughs) didn't change anything overnight. Yeah,
1: (laughs) no, not really. Uh, you know, we have sad songs here and there. The last record had, uh, one, uh, video that is another sad video about AIDS, uh, and cancer. Uh,
0: you get one yeah. problem cycle basically, just what's just, that? just one per album cycle. We'll just crush them once.
1: Yeah, why not? We'll bring up one social, the next one will be about a virus. <laughs>
0: I mean, obviously <laughs> that's going to be the trend for the next few, few months.
1: Well, the funny part is we're supposed to be shooting a video during this tour and maybe now we won't be able to because of this stupid virus. So
0: what I loved is that it was just such a, it was such a big sprawling video for I Am Broken 2 and then Signal Fire is like so simple. Seems like I mean I'm sure it still took like nine hours of playing the song over and over again, <laughs> in a closed space, but comparatively speaking, it wasn't like you were in the rain all day or there was fire or anything like that. It was just like was just straight up performance energy.
1: There's a fun magic to that Signal Fire video. Um, you know, we had we had seen Howard here and there on the road uh, during festivals or whatever and said hi, um, but we really got to hang hang with him uh, during that video shoot and. It was just all laughs and high fives and jokes and just bringing back old funny things that happened to us on the road. And it just seemed like home again. It was really a a cool vibe. And I think it really showed in the video as well. Um, Everyone just had a lot of fun. (laughs) So it didn't really seem like that long of a day. And that was actually Justin's birthday was that day.
0: Oh, great way to spend a day. Yeah, really.
1: Congratulations. You got flown out of your house (laughs) to (laughs) spend time with us. Yes, the people (laughs) that I'm
0: sure you want to spend even more time with. And we're going to do the same thing over and over again. Happy (laughs) birthday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sit here and just look cool all day, man. Come on, it's a great birthday. I actually I, I got to talk to Howard in November, and I had already heard rumors about this tour coming up at that point And I tried so hard to pull it out of him, and he's 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 such a good guy, at like just straight facing everything, mm-hmm. and be like, you could ask him deadpan, and he'll just be like, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he likes
1: not to tell people things. I know it's, he has <laughs> it's, a pa- it's like a
0: superpower that I don't possess. Like I get way too excited about things, and he's so chill, and I'm like, but I know. It's one of those things where you're like we both know, man. <laughs>
1: Now, we were super excited to get on the road with these guys. Uh, Light the Torch is a really good band and uh, really great guys in the band. And uh, we knew that this thing could be a pretty cool thing for the fans. So why not try it?
0: I want to talk about a comment I read that you made in uh, Guitar World. They interviewed you not that long ago. Back in February, I think the piece came out. And you were talking about how you felt like this record had your angriest tone on it Mm -hmm. for your bass, which (laughs) I agree with. But I actually was more interested. You made a comment about how bass is historically a little bit more downplayed in metal music but do you think that that's i feel like it's starting to change a little bit or maybe it's just because people are using more digital drums and other digital bass Mm -hmm. but i feel like i feel like maybe it's do you feel like the tides are changing a little bit in the world of bass playing Hmm. are you getting the recognition that bass players have long not gotten
1: i think with any type of music it's always going to be more and more and more and added on to and added on to and i feel like the bass is now being explored a bit more than it than it had yeah. in the past. Um, it's definitely louder in the mix, which is really cool. And it, as long as it um, contributes to how cool the guitars sound, uh, <laughs> I'm all for it. You know, some of these bass tones don't really jive that well, when when it's all mixed together. But um, yeah, I think I think major strides in metal bass have happened uh, in the past couple of years for sure. Mm. Some great great players out there.
0: It is. And you are right. Uh, The tone of your bass on this record is, angry. I like that description, because I I never know how to describe, as somebody that writes about music, bass is a hard thing sometimes to describe other than people Mm will be like thumping or thunderous or bouncy. And I've never heard angry used as a way to describe it. This thing's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: mad at you for no reason.
0: (laughs) How did you find that tone for this record? Is it just trial and error?
1: Adam D kind of had an idea of what he wanted to go for on the last record. And, um, he set it up for me, and I started playing. I was like, wow, this is, this is exactly what I've been wanting to play. <laughs> How I've wanted to sound for years and years and years and never been able to put it into, into effect. And he's like, let's go then. So uh, the, la- the previous record, uh, what was it? Uh, Incarnate, I feel like was the start of this new bass tone kind of growl and pushing it in the mix a bit more, getting it, getting it uh, bigger in the mix. Because it because it, it lends itself to a, a cooler guitar tone for sure, um, but this one was um, my Mdb Four, the my my signature model from Ibanez, and this small boutique pedal called a Rusty Box that I've been using for years. And sometimes I'd use it and then put it away, but I always tend to go back to it, and it just really can shape your tone into more of a just angry mess, something. That, Something that you want to keep locked in a cage.
0: <laughs> that's what you're going for? Yes. I would like it to sound unbridled. As mad
1: as, fo- as possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that that's a perfect description. That's what I want more of in my bass playing as well. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for, so you're on it. Um, the last thing I, I really want to touch on just for a second is uh, it's kind of your time in the band. I mean, I, I always get obsessed with the passing of time and maybe it's because the band is at 21 years this year, I hmm. guess.
1: Yeah. You're at the legal age and drink now. Yeah. yeah that's ben, finally.
0: What is, is there any notion in your mind in 1999 that you could be doing this as a career, let alone for this long?
1: Oh, absolutely. Never. No, I, I've I been to West.
0: Even. I used to live in Boston. I've been to Westfield, Massachusetts. so I yeah. can't imagine that you were like, this is going to work. <laughs> For like the long haul.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you put bands together and you think, oh, this is going to be fun for a little while. And um, there was a certain magic to this band that was happening, even though we didn't have um, a lyricist. Jesse didn't come into the band for I think six or nine months till after we had already recorded about three or four demos. <laughs> we actually took a demo and put it on the internet and we're like, people sing over this cause Love we it. need a singer bad. <laughs> and, um, uh, I lost my train of thought
0: completely. Oh, yeah. Whoops. You're fine. Well, it's why editing exists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Thoughts on the early days of the band, where it was going. Off yeah, so
1: so it came down to where Roadrunner had called my parents' house looking for me, and um, I got on the phone with this guy named Mike Gitter, and i had known him from when I skateboarded. He was the, a writer for Thrasher magazine. He used to do the music section, and I couldn't believe this guy was calling me out of the blue, um, and they wanted to sign us. Roadrunner Records wanted to sign this stupid band from Westfield, Massachusetts. And uh, so I brought it to the guys. We were all sitting around in Joel's garage I remember and we were sitting we were just sitting there and I was like, oh yeah, Roadrunner called me last night and I' like, what did they want? Mm-hmm. like I, I think they want to give us a record deal or something and everyone just
0: laughed. How much material did you actually have at this point?
1: I think the first record might have either come out or was coming out. And Carl Severson from <laughs> Ferret Records was handing it out to all the Roadrunner people because like he worked Carl. there. He was the new media guy over there. And um, that's how they got wind of it real fast and jumped on it super quick. Mm-hmm. And then other label offers kept were, were following suit. But, you know, we were comfortable on Ferret. We were comfortable selling a thousand records yeah. and just playing VFW halls and stuff like that. But um, then this Roadrunner thing happened and it, it had to, it took us kind of out of our element and we had to look at our situation from a different angle for the first time ever. Like, what record label, there was a bunch, would make it possible that we could actually do this? Like, not come home. Mm-hmm. And live in a cardboard box, like be able to come back to our apartments and be able to pay rent and all that stuff. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it's kind of a scary thing, you know. We're we're telling our parents, you know, I think I think we need to quit our jobs and like do, go on the road and play music. Um, but we were all at certain points in our life where we probably could take that chance. We weren't too old that it was going to screw us up too bad uh, monetarily, but and still pretty young and and, um, and vivacious to, to be able to go out there and maybe capture some fans. So my pa- my parents, for the first time ever, were like, you should do it. I was like, whoa, blown away. <laughs> like, you should do it. And they, and at that time, I was working for Clear Channel, a graphic design job, one of my favorite <laughs> design jobs I'd ever had, doing doing, like, you know billboards for Ozzy and advertisements for anywhere from you know Tool and Black Label and all these f- these fun things. It was a, a new project every single day. That was it was uh, it was very very fun. Um, but sometimes you have to out with the old, in with the new. Take a chance. Take one chance. We all said, let's try this for a year. And if we can't make rent by the time we get back, then we'll have to reassess. And we've been touring ever since. So it's just like it, it just the roadrunner thing really helped make this thing uh, catch fire for sure.
0: So then you get to the. Do you remember a point? Maybe it's at the end of that year where you kind of have a moment to look your head up and be like, oh, we're like we're doing doing this thing like this is this is what we do now.
1: At the end of the year, we kind of looked at each other and said, "Okay, <laughs> some ups and downs. We're Not making a ton of money, <laughs> but um, you know we're getting by, so we can probably still continue to do this." Adam was working at the studio, and I was just still doing a lot of freelance design, so it wasn't like it wasn't like we weren't going to come home to nothing, but um, but it definitely wasn't wasn't an instant success either. <laughs> uh, Two thousand four. The uh, Headbangers Ball Tour that MTV put on, which was another thing where we all looked at each other and laughed. MTV wants anything to do with this band that's ridiculous, like a hardcore band from Massachusetts. And uh, that I think that tour really put us and Lamb of God and Shadows Fall on the map. And from then on, it really was like a really pretty rad climb. And it was a wave that we all just said, we got to ride this thing. Like we made something... um, Work for the first time ever in the music industry, so it would be really stupid to bail now. We just got to keep going until this thing, you know, pans out. We are in as deep as we can,
0: yeah, we're in deep now,
1: yeah. So, yeah, why not just ride the wave until it, it, it crashes on the shore?
0: So far, so far, keeping your head above water. So far.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got the snorkel. It's fine.
0: What is, uh, <laughs> that's good. What <laughs> are you, um, when it comes to an album these days, like Atonement or something, I, I, something I, I've been kind of talking about with a lot of artists recently that have several albums. Out. I mean, this morning, I was fortunate enough to listen to an advance of uh, the Trivium record, and I was like, those guys are on their ninth studio album. Wow. That Right? That's the exact reaction. That's the only reaction. It's like, nine? Hmm. <laughs> um, but when it comes to this, you're this far into a career, when an album comes out, like, do you ever think this is going to take us to a new level or is it more like what I find with a lot of bands, they always tell me that it's more at this point, it's like, well, we might go up and down, but it's really about maintaining and maybe slow growth, but not like we're not thinking this record. Now we're going to jump up the next you know, notch in the belt.
1: I've learned not to get excited about records. <laughs> you never know what is going to happen. Um, I like them all. I mean, we all, I mean, obviously, if we yeah. wouldn't put them out if we didn't, didn't weren't really into them at the time. And uh, your, your dreams get crushed pretty fast <laughs> when people don't feel the same way. So I, I avoid all that, that stuff and, and just try to make my parts as good as I can make them to myself.
0: Something that you like and just hope exactly. people like it. It's hard
1: to tell, man. It's very subjective. Music is such a weird thing. Yeah, I couldn't tell you that this record was better than the last one, but it seems to be doing better. So I guess it is. I don't right.
0: know. But is that yeah? Is that the quality of the music? Is it the state of how people are feeling, like what? One of the many factors is the reason that this album is more like it's the It's hard to
1: pinpoint, one. like this stupid virus.
0: <laughs> wow, look at that full circle. <laughs> now we have now you've like brought it to a halt because you've so perfectly. Tied <laughs> Sorry, we we're not throat. talking about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it was fantastic. You guys just started this tour. You have uh, like four, six weeks. Six. Yeah, weeks? it's gonna
1: be five, uh, five, four and a half, five. Hopefully a lot of the a lot of the ones towards the end now are starting to say that they don't want more than 250 people gathering together so we're going to have to assess that relatively quick might be
0: some real cool small shows
1: <laughs> yeah which is great yeah I'm, I'm fine with that i like the smaller you guys shows you get
0: a lot of chances to play super tight little shows those like
1: intimate ones are the best ones the yeah. emotion and the energy is just mm-hmm. ridiculous we did uh, on incarnate we did five day stay in new york city tiny tiny clubs and it was probably the best time yep. ever we've ever played it was just blast every night total blast i love it
0: let me ask you this one more one more thing before we get out of here um you guys ever thought about doing some bands? I, I really like bands that have been getting into this culture, doing some kind of like homecoming show or anything. You guys ever think about doing like some big Massachusetts-based celebration of what you guys have done? It now where they're at twenty-one years. You guys kind of hit some mm. special point in your career. It feels like,
1: um, but like where
0: would you even do it? Because it's not like Westfield necessarily has. I mm. guess, You probably can't go back to a basement in Westfield and do it. so.
1: Right. I mean, primarily we were sort of considered maybe a Worcester band. So that's like Central Mass. Palladium would be kind of the. Palladium, you could do it maybe upstairs. You do like three or four nights or something like that. Um, we had tried to move the last show that we played at the Palladium to the outside venue, which is double the capacity, and it didn't yeah. work out so well. So <laughs> we may not be doing any of those things I anytime Parkway
0: soon. tour is listed at the Palladium Outdoors, and I was like, that is a big lot. It's a big, I it's a big jump
1: from <laughs> 2,300 to like 5,000, something yeah, like that. yeah. Like, but hey, that's cool. Yeah, they they got the pyro. It. and They have, <laughs> they they have, have some really cool uh, elements production. to their state. So maybe maybe that'll be the good draw. Um, yeah. uh, I'd like to see them definitely pull it yeah, off. Really,
0: I was just trying to get out of you to do a series of with shows somewhere where I can just come and watch multiple nights
1: in a row. Well, like I said, <laughs> we did that in New York, and it went over really well. So it's not like we're, we wouldn't do something like mm-hmm. that. I would love to do some more Boston stuff like that. But I feel like the smaller the clubs for something like that, also gives the fans a bit of a different perspective, yeah. different different feel for a show, and, mm-hmm. and uh, not the same thing that you'd get at a big venue.
0: Yeah, you we really dive into some of those deep cuts, make people love the, the make people love the stuff maybe they haven't loved yet. Sure, <laughs> or even
1: just like be able to high five everyone in the room. Oh my god! <laughs> you
0: know, right, right. Just strip it down and go crazy. Just get sweaty. I like it. Oh, well, hopefully that's something we can look forward to. And if nothing else, you guys are on the road now. I'm sure that you are on the road for most of the year unless something changes.
1: I hope so. Yeah, now we're wondering what's going to happen in Europe because obviously, oh, yeah. obviously pretty crazy out Some there, Some places too. in Europe are a little crazy. That would be our next stop, hopefully. <laughs> Summer tour circuit in Europe? Yeah, mm, which I'll is be. a major, major source of revenue for those guys, too, for Europe. Absolutely. Downloads just, uh, and all that stuff is like big business.
0: Not to plug Parkway again, but I just saw their documentary that is all of their European circuit of touring. And those festivals look insane. And now I, I suddenly, my bucket list is now just all of those European festivals.
1: They figured it out a long time ago, Europe, these festivals and how to put them together and get a lot of people. And on your um, end
0: as an artist, it runs smoothly. Cause that was always my question when I'm watching something that's like that. They've gotten way better. Um, <laughs> You've been going for a while now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Since 2002, we've been doing those types of things, but, uh, They've definitely gotten a lot better. Mm. I was very impressed with Hellfest. Yeah. You know, they took the Syracuse Hellfest and they kind of stole the name and they brought it over to France, and they turned it into a theme park. It's like a Mad Max goes oh, wow. to Disney, okay? And it's just like fire and spikes and walls, and it's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but I, hopefully, they can continue. Hopefully, this whole you know, yeah. this whole thing I'm gonna add blows I'm going to the
0: up there with Wacken, because all the Wacken footage, I'm always just like, I want to I see that with my own eyes one day. The fun
1: one. I think we've only done that once. <laughs> but it was like, I was nervous. It's
0: just the amount of people that really just blows my mind. There was
1: 80,000 people at this one, and we were sandwiched in between Carcass played first, then us, and then at the gates. So that's a weird spot to be in if you're a band <laughs> yeah. that's not as metal as those guys. <laughs> So I was expecting heads of lettuce get, get thrown at us because this is Vakin is like m- like big fat biker dudes with mm-hmm. denim vests or, or or leather vests and no shirts on and they want to hear some some, <laughs> some goddamn metal. metal. If you don't play metal, you're gonna get your head caved in. And uh, we shot a video for um, a- this is Absolution, and you can see the. <laughs> the Circle Pit was probably the biggest I'd ever seen in my yeah, entire life. I, yeah, but I sure. didn't look up for the first three songs. Saying,
0: can you even like, look at that? It feel so intimidating to see that many people It was there. nervous. <laughs> I, it,
1: it was more, what are these people going to, are they going to walk away? Yeah. Carcass just played. <laughs>
0: Carcass. <laughs> I saw them. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was on stage watching them. It was, uh,
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, you just never know what you're going to get. When
0: you're in front of that many people, can you see the back of that crowd at Wacken? Or, in, or are you that high up?
1: Sometimes no, yeah, yeah we did um, we did download with ACDC one hundred and ten thousand and it, it was, yeah they just go over the hill.
0: And It just disappears on the horizon. Just to
1: see, it's it's cool. it is it's gnarly it, and it is a little scary, but it's also. It's not just me standing up there. Right. We're a group of dudes that know what we're doing, so it's just confidence. You know, yeah. you, you just you, you get more anxious to get up there and play rather than anxiety to be standing in front of so many people.
0: So then, so then, when it comes to like a show like tonight, this is like a 2450 cap room. Do you have far less anxiety about it because you're like I've stood stage in front. of 100 times as many people
1: yeah (laughs) just anxious just anxious and ready to go like i could i could play the show right now i'd rather (laughs) i'd rather play the show now than late nights but but getting getting old
0: well the tour goes on for a few more weeks i appreciate you talking about a whole variety of things with me today yeah thank you through my notes and uh yeah man I, i wish you the best
1: thanks